HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. Hey, 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 this is Jimmy Carboni. This week, I'm releasing an episode we recorded a couple of months ago. Before the COVID-19 crisis, I visited KCBC at the start of New York City Beer Week out in Bushwick, Brooklyn, to talk with our head brewer, Bobby Rolandi, as well as Ian Calms of Transmitter Brewing, hoping everyone is staying safe and healthy and that you enjoy this episode. Heritage Radio Network is working hard to maintain their regular programming, in addition to bring listeners important coverage of how the COVID-19 crisis is impacting the hospitality industry. Please make a donation at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's February 2020, and guess where we are? We're in the KCBC Brewery out in Jefferson Stop. When I take the L train, I come out from Union Square or East Village, Jefferson Stop, to me, is one of the coolest places in the city, and uh, KCBC's out here. And we're here on uh, the night before New York City Beer Week starts, uh, tomorrow's opening bash. We're going to talk about a lot of things like that, but the reason we came out is we got to talk with Bobby Rolandi, who is the lead brewer here, and Ian Calmus from, from uh, Transmitter. So uh, we, we're out here doing a special recording that you'll hear later. And uh, we're gonna, everyone's going to introduce themselves. So, Bobby, just tell us your name and what your job is here. Uh, my name is Bobby Rolandi. I'm the lead brewer um, here at KCBC. Um, I'm cranking out wort, cleaning tanks, uh, helping with entering inventory into our, you know, in our system, keeping track of stuff. And as we grow, who knows? <laughs> So you're working more and more, and more and more stuff, yeah. So what, what, what beers right now have, any of the beers have your signature on them? Or are you really just doing a work behind um, the beers? None of these beers are my recipe, but, um, you know, I've, I've made these beers. Uh, actually, the sour that we have, uh, Cosmic Zombie, is the, it's a, actually a collab with the Rare Barrel. Um, it's a blend of... Beach Zombie, I believe, which is a strawberry guava um, sour, and then a hibiscus saison, blended it, and then put it in our Grundy, and then put it back into barrels, let it re-ferment, 
and then reframe it on strawberries, and then we hit it again with hibiscus again before we packaged it. And then, oh, man. It's, it's really great, and it's so great to be here with you. Thanks yeah, for having yeah. us, Bobby. And you, you invited one of your brewing friends. Hi, I'm uh, Ian Kalmus, uh, the uh, brewer uh, slash packaging tech slash uh, delivery driver slash, uh, I don't know, jack of all trades, I guess, a transmitter. Uh, uh, It's understated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Been with transmitter for almost four years now. Uh, As uh, Bobby said, uh, we got our start uh, together at Kelso uh, in uh, Clinton Hill. Uh, we are just joking, probably about three and a half years ago. Well, we left three and a half years ago. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah. That was like about five years ago, actually. Well, when you started. When I started at Kelso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what's fun about you guys, for, for me, it's like there was this whole wave of, of new New York City craft breweries. And um, not to me, you guys are the next generation, but you guys really started working. As you said, you worked at Kelso. You worked in the breweries, and you're working your way up. So there's actually now like this, this new generation of people like yourself. So I want to hear more about your backstories. You know, you, you weren't just a home brewer, you know, in Chico, <laughs> you know, 40 years ago, learning how I to. I lived in Chico, you, actually. Yeah. So tell, tell us what, how you guys started. <laughs> That's funny you say One of you guys went to San Diego State. I did, yes. So tell us about that your your journey. Um, we have a lot of time. So. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 gra- I grew up in Boise, Idaho. Um, and was born in California, grew up in Boise, Idaho. Um, after high school, actually, I went to school in Chico for for a year because a lot of my family members uh, went to school there. My parents were like, you need to go to Chico, and if you don't like it, you can go wherever you want. So went there for a year. It sucked, and I left. <laughs> and uh, went to San Diego and, and finished school in San Diego and, and kind of just Worked in bars and, and stuff like that, and always was into the because it was a pretty blooming crap beer scene in San Diego, and so I was always into like good beer, you know, nothing crazy, but like loved the Firestone beers and all that. And then moved out to New York City, didn't homebrew or do anything in San Diego. Moved out to New York City, didn't really know anybody or have any friends, and liked craft beer and like picked up a hobby, and so I took a. Uh, how to brew homebrew class at Bitter Nesters like shortly after I moved here and started hanging out at the shop and they were like hey you're here a lot like do you want a job and I'm like sure (laughs) so uh, I got a job like doing stocking stuff and doing customer service which is frightening because I knew nothing but um, yeah I worked there for eight months or so and then what's a typical customer service question at Bitter and Esther's like what yeast do I use for, for you know like they're, they're like the hazy IPAs are starting to come around and like I didn't know anything about I was brand new like they literally hired me because I was interested so they'd ask me these questions about yeast and like different hops and profiles and stuff and I didn't <laughs> I, I would feel like I would just go hide in the basement and stock <laughs> stock stuff into inventory but uh it was nice like doug and john are awesome and i'm glad they 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 hired me um because from there i was just wanting to kind of get more involved in the beer industry and uh they really didn't have uh you know the hours for me because it's a homebrew shop and you know it's you know that it's just 
tight margins. They couldn't give me 40 hours a week. That's kind of what I wanted. And, um, but they're like, but Kelso's hiring if you want to really get into it. And they're hiring full-time keg washer, keg filler. We'll give you a recommendation. So they did. And I met Kelly Taylor. Kelly Taylor's a San Diego State alum. Um, so he hired me. I didn't me. know that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's so, a connection. So, so Kelly hired me and, you know, worked there for a good year and a half and some change and saw it when it was really busy. And then as it started to taper down and they ended up closing that location because they lost the lease on the place and all that. So I saw, I closed the, the brewery down and, um, that's how a lot to, of guys get started, right? Keg washing. Keg washing, keg filling, General which is work. like such an important job, and I feel like in the industry it's square it, one. It's square one, but For it's sure. deemed as like the the grunt job, but it's like really, really, really important. Super important. <laughs> Super important. Like probably also extremely dirty and dirty. Like yeah. you would ruin t-shirts, t-shirts, jeans. Yeah. You. What's the standard through. for a clean keg? Like uh, transmitter clean keg. <laughs> That's the standard. <laughs> What no, is it? But just, what, just what, do you measure? Do you, do you, is there a way to measure that it's actually clean that you, to refill? Yeah, it? so there. Yeah, there's a couple metrics that that you can take, um, both uh, with the the caustic that you're using, the the acids that you're using, and then the the uh, sanitization uh, levels yeah. and, and things like that. You you can take measurements and so on and so forth. Um, to ensure that you're you're getting a not only a clean keg but a, a sanitized keg that's ready for uh, filling beer, right? Um, but but yeah, like when they closed, um, you know, Tony. I worked with Tony Bellis, who's one of my bosses now. And um, as they were closing and KCBC was opening, Tony was like, "Hey, we got a full time job. Like, you know, if, if you want it, it's going to be a lot of like." jack of all trades you know we don't really need a brewer but we need somebody that can keg keg beer do deliveries work the tap room odds and ends and he's like if you want it we'd love to have you and so i signed up with kcbc <laughs> i think you probably delivered to to me at yeah, number yeah, 43, yeah, yeah. right? yeah definitely yeah yeah um, well, so i did that for a while and um you know once we started making a lot more beer and there was opportunity for some growth here. Um, they've offered me the opportunity to, you know, start making making wort and cleaning tanks and doing cellar work. And so I've slowly kind of graduated through the ranks of the system, I guess. So no, that, that's what I'm saying. It's a new generation to yeah. you guys. Um, just tell us about this beer one more time, the Cosmic Fruity Beer, because we, we actually the other day we we were drank with um, some of the Brewski guys. So oh, yeah. We're trying their their type of fruited fruited beers. Yeah, so it was a it was um, French oak uh, blend of a strawberry guava sour, hibiscus saison, and then uh, the rare barrel. Apparently, they take the barrels, they put it in a Grundy, blend it, then put it back into barrels, and then re-ferment it, and then move it back into a packaging tank, Grundy, and then package it. So. That's kind of what we did. We took their lead on it. It was like a it was like a, a blending collab. So we kind of were rolling with what they were saying, and it actually turned out pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty refreshing. It's my second yeah. one. So, and then Ian, tell us about you know, your, how you got started. It's, this is a good show to talk about. Back last year for Beer Week, we talked with Kyle from Big Alice and really went to the beginning of of Big Alice. So 
I think it's great to hear how you guys got started in the, in the industry. Sure. So uh, my story is a little bit different than, than Bobby's. Um, I moved to New York uh, working in the finance industry. Uh, I spent about 10 years working uh, back office operations, corporate compliance, uh, worked for Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Ian uh, looks very corporate right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the craft beer corporate. I've let, yeah, I've let myself go a little bit here. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I, I spent spent time in corporate America, um, you know, pushing pencils, lots of Excel spreadsheets. Um, kind of got fed up with that um, after moving to New York, and um, thankfully my supportive wife let me uh, venture into the the craft beer scene. Um, I had been homebrewing maybe for eighteen months uh, before I made the jump to uh, commercial professional brewing. Um, at at that time, uh, a fellow former uh, compliance Merrill Lynch employee, Chris Kuzme, who now owns Fifth Hammer, uh, was working at Kelso uh, with Bobby. And uh, he was working at Kelso to kind of bridge the gap until he opened Fifth Hammer. Yeah. Uh, and he said, hey, we're looking for a keg washer. I came in, did the, did the tryout yeah. uh, day of work. Uh, he actually tried out with me. Yeah. It, it was him and a couple other guys, and Kelly's like, who should we hire? I was like, hire him. <laughs> he kicks ass. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, so, so that's It's good to be overqualified when you're a keg washer, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, but I, I joke, I, I, I switched or uh, exchanged uh, six figures for six packs, uh, <laughs> leaving, leaving the financial industry in, in New York City. Um, but, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I, I have everything to, to thank to my wife for, for being supportive and, and uh, letting me uh, explore this, uh, this dream and opportunity. And um, then so you were, at, you were at Kelso, you were doing those yeah, so kind of grunt at, jobs. Yeah, I started uh, at the doing keg washing, keg filling with, with Bobby at Kelso. When you, finish, um, when you finish, at the end of the day, you had a gleam in your eye and you're like, wow, I did a good day's work. I feel so proud. I. Uh, yeah, even though you would be mm. filthy, uh, and the next day you would wake up extremely sore. <laughs> you earned your beers. That's for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I lost 30 pounds in four months. So you, you went from six figures to, to six-pack abs. Oh, there you yeah, go. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice. You like lose the 30 pounds, then you somehow put it back on at some point. <laughs> yeah, beer, you got yeah. beer weight now. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after uh, just a, a how'd you how'd you get inspired? Because at some point you you're working in the brewery, and then when did you decide this is going to be more of a career for you? Uh, I mean, I, I think it just kind of snowballs. Um, you know, you get your foot in the door, uh, and you start at, at square one, bottom of the ladder, um, which I can't can't express how important that is to to understand like the yeah. the importance of uh, a clean sanitary keg for, for filling beer um, it's it's really the the way to go um, if you're if anybody's looking to to get into the industry um, it's not only probably the only way to get in but um, it's an important step that that I don't think you would want to want to skip right yeah I mean, I, I know that, like, for me, in kind of, like, moving up into, like, make, making wart and cellar work and stuff is, like, I didn't exactly 
you know, climb the ladder super fast. Like I spent a lot of time, like, like you know saying, like spent a lot, a lot of time cleaning kegs and filling beer. And I did that and I did deliveries and all this stuff. It wasn't like, you know, like six months later, I'm like brewer or whatever. And, and so I think, I mean, as much as like I wanted that to happen, um, I'm glad that I was stuck in these positions for a while to where like really learned how to like do them and do them well and I think that's important because I think everybody wants to be a brewer and there's so many other important parts of this there's a, this there's process saying, beware of any job that requires a new wardrobe which means you kind of <laughs> have to work your way into who your identity you know like you guys have been working you've got the look you've got the beard but you you, you paid your dues yeah. let's talk about so like just starting a, a place out with, with the identity Casey BC here it's amazing I mean I, I knew Tony and Zach and Pete way back when they were just starting, and I knew Zach and Tony before when they mm-hmm. wanted to have, they were homebrewers and award-winning homebrewers. I mean, there's something special that, that's happening out here at the Jefferson Stop, and you've been part of it since the beginning. So what are a couple of things that you, you would want to tell someone else about KCBC that, that didn't know you, that, that, that didn't, didn't have your beer at a festival or you know, find your can somewhere? Like for the first time, how would you explain KCBC to someone, in, in your own words, what it means to you because this it's like you're part of the family here yeah i think that i'm sure you're a big part of the success of this place you know i've i've definitely i mean i'm proud to say that i've seen it from you know its infancy to its toddler status at this point because we're still (laughs) three you know we're we're still fresh we're still new um but i would say that like we definitely you know we're trying to you know, make interesting beers and make beers that we want to drink and beers that, you know, obviously like the public wants and, and, and try to have a good variety as much as we can in a, in a market that's like very, you know, hop forward and hop driven. Like I think we're trying to still, you know, push some other fun stuff that people want to drink too, yeah. as well so as like satisfy the s- second beer I'm drinking. Um, you, you got the the beer of the winter seems to be like a black is, lager. Yeah, it's the Morbid Hour, um, which we call Black Pilsner or Schwarz beer, um, but it's on American. Uh, I'm taking a picture, but keep talking. We put it actually. It's we moved it into a shows. moved it into a uh, some of the beer into a Grundy, and because um, we don't have a fooder, we uh, we put it on some American oak, and you know just got a little bit of an oak character to it and yeah i think it tastes pretty good it's nice it's nice yeah. having a lager with color you know, yeah cheers to the yeah the cheers beer. now ian so tell us so for me you know casey bc and tony zach and pete and going way back for you guys it's, it's anthony and rob i remember out of nowhere everyone was like anthony's the best brewer in new york city uh making these old style saisons his beers need a lot of time and he's very meticulous um tell us what it was like working for them and and then how you guys grew, because now you're at Brooklyn Navy Yard. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a, a great experience with, uh, with Rob and Anthony. And um, we're, uh, we've become pretty tight family uh, working together, uh, not only in a, in a small space uh, for a couple of years, but, but now being able to, to grow and expand and, and really um, you know, kind of launch Transmitter into uh, you know, the next stage of its uh, of its life um you know like like pete and, and tony and zach uh rob and anthony brewed beer t- together at home um 
you know, for, for a long time. And, you know, I think their friend said, wow, you guys make really good beer. Maybe you should open a brewery. And like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, maybe, sure. And then uh, I think it was Anthony's uh, wife, Allison, was walking across the Pulaski Bridge and saw uh, a sign for rent at a, an old, uh, uh, I think it was a mechanic's garage. It's like, oh, there's a place for rent. You know, it's walking distance from the house. You guys could, you know, maybe increase your production, see where it goes, maybe open a commercial brewery. And they're like, oh, all right, sure, okay, let's, let's do it. And they, they both started still working uh, their full-time jobs. Um, I think a year in, Anthony quit uh, his, uh, his former job to, to go full-time. And then shortly after I had joined them, uh, or shortly before I joined, Rob had, had uh, quit his, his job, um, and they were both full-time at the brewery. And um, they had uh, maybe two or three other assistant brewers uh, that they were working with, um, but uh, it was the, the timing was just right where Kelso was kind of winding down. Um, Transmitter's uh, assistant brewer was moving to Colorado, Kyle, and I think he's, he either started or is working for a brewery out there um, where I had a, a couple good recommendations from some folks at Kelso. Uh, met with Rob and Anthony uh, uh, for an interview at 10.30 in the morning, and I, we, we drank homebrew. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, what did you got? What did you bring?" I was like, "Oh, I, I feel embarrassed. You guys are you guys make such good beer. I'm, I'm gonna taste my homebrew." <laughs> I will say that, like, I remember Kelso did this like homebrew. Well, they took wort from their IPA, and they remember they oh the wort share the wort share, and they like gave it to all the homebrewers that wanted to come. And then we had like uh, about a month later, we had a. a pouring of that yeah everybody beer. came everybody came back with their their finished package beer yeah. to, to pour and uh, his was really good <laughs> i remember that because like you weren't working there yet i wasn't no. yeah, i hadn't started uh but it was it was only a couple months before yeah I, I, I and i think you got a job there like three weeks later or yeah something, something like that, like that. Yeah. um yeah i think i remember kelly liking my homebrew as well so maybe that maybe that helped in the the interview yeah <laughs> how do you guys feel like for, for you know kcbc and transmitter to me, you're, you're two of the top breweries in New York City. Tomorrow's opening bash, and there's a lot of things going on. But for you guys talking shop, what, what are things that are different about the brewing operation here at KCBC f- from Transmitter? Like d- different types of processes or the scale, philosophies? I mean, the scale, or the scale's scale. different. Um, I think the technical brewing, though, or work production is is probably just, just about the same. Right. Um, you know, you... You, you mix barley with hot water and you put it in the <laughs> you put in the mash tun and then you, you filter make it out. It, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you, you make sweet wort and then you, you boil it. Um, you send it. Um, I think where, it, where the difference is is KCBC uses a lot more hops than transmitter. <laughs> Tons. Like hundreds of pounds. Measur- measurable. <laughs> measurable, yes. Like I'll, I'll put a small bucket of hops. Not even a small, maybe like a uh, yeah, a, a very small bucket of hops in in our boil, um, whereas I think KCBC puts probably five or six or ten times as much. <laughs> I know, man. Nowadays, I mean, we just made a beer that was all dry hop. I mean, we've been doing that, but <laughs> like we're not putting anything in the boil. It's like 100 and 
60 pounds in do, the... Do you know what I'm most excited about for Beer Week? It's being here What's tonight that? because of this new beer you released. So what, tell us, what is the triple IPA that's on tonight? Oh, um, the uh, dangerous, it's ridiculously dangerous precedent. It's a 10% triple IPA. PR people are laughing yeah. at you. They're like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He just made it. Come on. It's um, That was the first beer I had. Dangerous. Be careful. Bobby, when I came over. Don't drink too much of that. It's been a bunch of. I I saw that. That's what you had on tap tonight. And that was the first beer I ordered. And I'm very glad that I had it. (laughs) Tonight, it's. it's, it's, Actually, it's not as boozy as as the 10% beer would normally taste. It came out really good. But we originally, like one of our flagship. um, I don't want to call it flagship, but like. You know, like quarterly beer was like dangerous precedent. Like our logo has this octopus on it now and we make it every now and again. But originally we were trying to like, I think kind of lean with that beer. Um, and it, it, it was a six and a half percent IPA and we've done some, you know, we've brewed that. We've brewed a double IPA, like a ridiculously this, dangerous this triple, precedent. I mean, to me, it's like a 10% Belgian beer where you don't think it's so strong. It's yeah. very well balanced, and I, I drank it like a lager. <laughs> so what's That's the secret the, to, to its, its balance? Um, I think we've, we've loaded it up with, it, to make it not taste like so, you know, like alcohol hot. Um, we put a lot of adjuncts, a lot of wheat, um, like a lot of oats, stuff like that to kind of give it a little bit more body. Um, I think that we've made it over time where it has tasted like that. And I think this, this time around, it is a lot like softer. It doesn't, I don't know. doesn't really hit you as like, Whoa, that is a 10% beer. I don't know. I, at least when I've, t- at least when I tasted it before we packaged it, I haven't had it since we packaged it just cause when I get off work, I don't know if I want a 10% <laughs> beer, but, <laughs> but do you get off work? Uh, <laughs> what time do you come? I mean, this is like the, the working guy story, but what time did you come in today and what time do you go home? Um, today, actually, I was supposed to be off today because I'm working on Sunday because we, we, we have a sour beer in our, in our Grundy right now. and We're going we're gonna to bottle it on Sunday, so I was going to take the day off, but came in to check on some things and then all of a sudden I'm working. So, uh, I had to you're come. hosting us. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So I uh, had to clean a clean our bright tank because we had a kind of a wonky canning run today, and uh, so we had to stop it and kind of you know we're gonna resume on Monday. So we're brewing on Monday, so we need to move move some beer into a bright tank so we can free up a tank so we can continue you know making beer on Monday and not have to push push our schedule back a little bit. So. Like, Tell well, me about there were a couple other guys here earlier that that work with you. Who else is on the brew team with you? Um, so we have our other brewer is Trevor. Um, so he does a lot, most, if not all, of the um, sour beer blending uh, stuff like that. He's pretty much taken over the entire barrel program. Uh, and he also is brewer cellarman. Um, and then, yeah, uh, sour barrel stuff. Uh, and then we have uh, Dan, who's uh, assisting on the canning line, does kind of a jack of all trades. Like, he's doing some, you know, cleaning kegs. He's helping with inventory. He's assisting on the canning line. 
kind of all over the place, um, you know. And then we have Sarah, who's primarily doing um, canning operating and trying to integrate. You know, we're trying to cross-train everybody a little bit. Um, so, you know, if somebody needs to step into, like, keg filling and stuff like that, we can do that. But primarily, she's a canning operator. Uh, Tristan, who's here, he is a brewer slash uh, canning operator slash packaging person, primarily packaging and canning. Uh, he helps out and makes some work for us, too, and which really, like, relieves, you know, Trevor to do some sour and barrel stuff. And, you know, I can do some other things, too, so that's really helpful. Um, and... Yeah, that's pretty much. No, it's a great team. Yeah, hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency tart cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their bright red color. And don't forget about flavor. U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile make them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency Tart Cherry at ChooseCherries.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. We're doing a special Beer Week recording at KCBC Brewing out at the Jefferson Stop. I still think that's cool, man. The Jefferson Stop on the L train. This is one of the coolest spots in town. Our good buddy Lindsay Storm just walked by. She was going, we're in the back of the, of the brew area. She went into the cold room and got some cans because she's going over to single cup but beer week is very exciting in new york city i just want to say that it started in 2008 there was a new york the new york craft beer week was the original and that that was the precursor to everything um and then in 2013 the new york city brewers guilds formed and, and it became new york city beer week so now this is actually the eighth beer week that's being hosted by the new york city brewers guild so it's come a long way and Partly what we're, t- we're talking to uh, Bobby from KCBC and Ian from Transmitter, who are kind of the next generation. We're already at the next generation of, of working people that have worked their way into the industry. And I still think that's amazing. I mean, you don't know. Like the old day was like those guys like Zach and Tony, they were homebrewers for so long because they loved it. But there wasn't really a commercial avenue for them either. It was like you could make beer. You could make beer. You could be in homebrew competitions. But now it's like you guys are almost able to jump right from your interest in brewing into working in a brewery. Yeah, there's there's way more opportunity, um, especially given the the current uh, environment. Um, I think there's close to eight thousand breweries in the U.S. now. Um, just four years ago when we started, maybe it was two thousand. Uh, yeah, probably less than no, that. No, no, yeah, it was like approaching or at two thousand or approaching or something like that. Yeah, and then also the 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 laws changed. So um, you know when we had. S- when I had just started Kelso, like we were just getting in the tap room up and going, and uh, oh, at uh, Kelso, yeah. yeah, 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 it was a, yeah a huge pain to get that going. Uh, you know, prior to that, the the laws wouldn't allow you to uh, make package and then serve beer uh, 
on the same in the same location. So those laws changed, and then it opened up uh, an avenue for uh, you know smaller smaller size production uh, space to then have an avenue to serve the beer on site, and that's where you want that's where you yeah. want, really want to sell all your beer. Like if you can sell your beer on site. The margins are so much better. You're no, make it, so much more money. It's yes. amazing like, that like when Transmitter started, I can speak for you, it was this little almost uh, pro-hobbyist brewery in Long Island City. And now a, a, a big New York City entity, the Brooklyn Navy Yard, was looking really hard for a brewery. And you guys are there now. So um, that's, that tells you what's changed. But how has that changed what you guys are doing at Transmitter? I mean, Brooklyn Navy Yard is a big deal. It's one of the top like tech job creation Areas yeah, in yeah, all it's, it's, your city. Uh, near the brewery. It's a huge, uh, huge place for uh, manufacturing and to, to bring manufacturing back into uh, New York City. Um, and yeah, we, we feel lucky and fortunate enough to, to be the, the brewery that that was selected to to uh, to take that space. So what's um, it like? So we're out here in Jefferson Street. This is kind of a warehouse area. You know, you, you can see that a brewery fits in here. But that's Brooklyn Navy Yard. Is there room for, like, trucks to pull up? And do you have kegs going out of there? You know, are you, are you manufacturing yeah, so the, for the, distribution the, there? The Brooklyn Navy Yard is a closed campus. Uh, you need a, an ID and badge to even access the, the Navy Yard. Uh, one of the reasons uh, behind that is there's, there are a lot of, uh, of trucks, forklifts, um, you know, things going on within the Navy Yard that they, didn't, they don't want the, the public uh, whether you're on a foot, bike, or car, uh, to interfere with, or you know, it's, could, can be dangerous. Um, it's you the the things you see drive by on flatbeds and forklifts uh, so is sometimes being, hysterical. Like, driverless cars are being experimented with there. And yeah, we things. have there's a driverless car program that that's going on. Um, there's a lot of art installation. Um, there's heavy machinery. Uh, the Navy Yard's home to I think one of the largest. Uh, maintenance ship uh docks in in the world um and so we 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 see ships come in uh, uh every once in a while and uh periodically they'll they'll go into the dry docks they'll empty them out they'll do repair on the bottom of the boat uh which is pretty cool to see um and there's actually a really really cool uh behind the scenes navy yard tour uh past present or the uh, past, present, and future, uh, hosted by uh, Turnstile Tours, uh, which we've been on a few times. And whenever my folks come in town, we definitely do that. Um, you get a, a behind-the-scenes uh, look at the Navy Yard, which um, if you don't work there, you can't you can't get into. Um, but all that that being said, being in the Navy Yard and um, being uh, kind of uh, anchor tenants with uh, Russ and Daughters uh, in Building Seventy Seven which is the, the first uh, building in the Navy Yard that's open to the so public. Can consumers, they can just access it? They don't need to show yeah, up? Yeah, they can walk in, right in off of uh, Flushing Avenue uh, at Vanderbilt. Uh, Russ and Daughters, Food Sermon's open now. Uh, it's a lunch counter. Uh, the brewery's open every day of the week. Um, you know, things are starting to happen. Uh, I think there's anywhere from ten to 15,000 people working in the Navy Yard now, um, and they're really trying to promote bringing... Uh, manufacturing, but you know, heavy manufacturing, but also technical manufacturing. Uh, you know, the the whole gamut uh, in terms of uh, you know, kind of artistic creation uh, in New York City. So it's a exciting place to be right now. Bobby, you want to say something? 
You smiling? No, I don't. <laughs> I, mean, well, I, I love being here in the back of KCBC with you guys, and uh, you know, it's it the work that's done to, to make put this beer in a glass is amazing. So, cheers to you guys. Cheers. This is really good. Yeah. So, Ian. So, you know, f- the move from little under the Pulaski Bridge, tiny transmitter, to being at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. What did you have to do in your job as part of that transition? That's a. Ooh, I have a long answer, uh, but. It's a long show. So. <laughs> Unless it's top secret. No, no, not top secret. Um, so Rob and Anthony started Transmitter um, almost six years ago now. Um, and it was them and their wives put money into the business. Um, and it's still that way. Uh, we don't have any outside investment. Um, it's uh, pretty much all blood, sweat, and tears at this point um, that have gone into to creating uh transmitter at the Navy Yard. Um, Probably the biggest thing, or the biggest difference is we have a tap room with uh, draft beer. Uh, You know, in Long Island City, it was never set up to to have a draft system. It was only bottle pours. And then when we started to do cans, we did can pours. Um, So to be able to to pour draft beer on site is a a game changer for sure. so now we can we can pour a lot of beer at transmitter, but you know in, in turn we can make a lot more beer now. Um, so we've already increased production uh, one time at at the Navy Yard. Uh, we got a, a couple new tanks, um, and so our, our production is um, I would say probably doubled just within a year. Um, and also we have I brought. Um, a uh, BNY1, which is uh, our pre-prohibition lager, uh, which just won a silver medal uh, at, um, oh shoot, what was the festival? I can't remember. GABF? No. <laughs> yeah. You're better than I, that. I wish, I wish it was GABF. No, it was the uh, most recent um, craft festival down in uh, South America. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Miguel. Uh, the one in Costa oh, yeah, Rica. Yeah, 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 the one in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. I'm forgetting the name of the. Forgive us, Miguel. Yeah, sorry, Miguel. We just, It'll be on everyone's just went name. Down there. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's. T- Damn it! What's it? Indie Beer Cup. Yes, yes. Uh, my wife just chimed in. Uh, yeah, the Indie Beer Cup. We won a silver medal for this uh, pre-prohibition lager. Um, in the historical beer category. Um, and also a shout out to uh, another local NYC brewer, uh, Jason uh, Strong Rope. They won a bronze medal for their um, their prohibition lager as well. Did they really? Um, yeah. Well, that's that. exciting. That's we awesome. know that you, you, all the New York City brewers have been in different festivals around the world. But in terms of your own expansion, so making you guys used to make just like saisons and some other ales. So what, what was the, the jump uh, to making lagers? Uh, and this is really kind, good. It's kind of twofold. So, you know, we, we primarily focused on Saisons uh, uh, and, and Belgian ales um, typically have a, a higher fermentation temperature. Um, at the old brewery in Long Island City, Rob and Anthony built our cellar system, uh, which was actually wrote, written up in Poplar Mechanics a couple years ago. Um, that's but, amazing. Yeah. That is but pretty it's, sweet. It's you know, the, the editor of Popular Mechanics, the former editor, used to go to all the beer events. Maybe that's why. I mean, that's probably that's probably why why they, they went to transmitter. And Doesn't that, that sum it up? I mean, this but is it's, this yeah. is a job that you could read about in Popular Mechanics. So yeah, what you guys totally. are doing, and it's a very oh hands-on. for sure. It's very it's very hands on. It's very technical. The the amount of uh, 
you know, plumbing, electrical, uh, mechanical work that uh, a brewery takes a brewery to run is is pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive, yeah. yeah. And like learning how to just fix stuff that breaks, I think, is a really really huge asset. And I think I don't know. I I'm not great at it. I'm not super handy. But as I, you know. That's that's the one thing with with building out transmitter, especially at the Navy Yard, has been uh, kind of a really fun experience. Uh, you know, the the three of us, uh, you know, as soon as the they let us in after the the, I guess the the bones of the place were done, uh, Anthony, Rob, and I built the walk-in cooler. Uh, we ran all of our glycol runs. Um, so we we've done uh, we we plumbed the the hot liquor tank in the the brewery. We we did a ton of the electrical work. Um, it's been a great experience to to learn how to do all of that. Um, and as a result, like when it breaks, we know how to fix it. Do you know how to weld? Don't know how to weld. That's both on our 2020 list. There's actually an intro to welding class that is uh, put on at the Navy Yard that I think we're going to sign up for. Can you know I sign up, Bobby? Yeah. No, I would like to know though. Well, welding is is super valuable in, yeah. in the brewing uh, uh, brewing career for sure. Yeah. If, and if then, we knew so at, at Brooklyn, the big move to Brooklyn Navy Yard. Uh, so having a you know a, a tap room where you can serve beers. How has your uh, selection of beers changed uh, since you have a tap room? Uh, I I, th- I think we've we've definitely focused a lot more on making lagers and pilsners. Um, just because we're open at noon uh, every day of the week. Uh, there are a lot of people that come in uh, for a lunch beer. Um, you want something that's kind of low ABV, uh, clean, easygoing. Um, and it turns out I, some of our lagers are some of the best beers we've made. Um, you know, personal opinion. I would agree. Oh, <laughs> you yeah, no, this one's great. I mean, Anthony used to always say that for him, the beers he wanted to make would take time. Yeah, he would well, also criti- he'd criticize some, some like fast. He called them fast beers. Fast beers, yeah. This, so this tastes like a, an old-fashioned lager. It says what pre-prohibition. Lager. Pre-prohibition lager. BNY. Maybe one. there's a cave in the hills <laughs> over there. You so the, all of our all of our lagers definitely get um, the proper uh, six-week lagering um, program. Um, and even our ales will will take uh, anywhere from three to four weeks. Um, we we want to make sure that everything is uh, you know fully fermented, so terminal gravity, and we do a bunch of testing on that uh, for a couple of days to ensure that. And one of the the main reasons is because we uh, package condition all of our beer, so we don't have carb stones, we don't carbonate force carbonate beer. What we do is we'll mix packaging yeast and some sugar in the, the final beer once it's moved off the yeast. Um, and then we'll package that in uh, cans, bottles, or kegs. And so it goes through a re-fermentation uh, process that can take anywhere from a week to th- three or four weeks. Uh, and it will naturally carbonate in the can, bottle, or keg. Um, it's kind of like making champagne, right? Yeah, we do. We do use a, a champagne yeast uh, that is uh, pretty much flavorless. That will um, it kind of creates a, a nice, tight, tiny bubble. Um, uh, creates effervescence, and when we package still, it allows us to carbonate at 
which whatever level we want. So we started canning, I think, two and a half, two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, we can carbonate to uh, a higher level uh, in the can versus if you were going to push through uh, uh, a carbonated beer through the canning line. So I think, yeah. Bobby, tell me, what, what's the, the carbonated, carbonation level that you do run through a canner? We actually, compared to other breweries, we push it a little high. Um, we put, we carb our beers up to 2.6 volumes CO2. Um, we found that it, on, on our canning line, it uh, creates an, a good, good amount of foam, uh, keeps our uh, dissolved oxygen uh, down. Um, so we've kind of, we've messed with different targets. We've done 2.5, we've done 2.7, we've done 2.65. Like, we've tried it all, and I, I feel like with at least what we're doing, 2.6 is what we, we target. Um, and it seems to work for most styles of beer. Um, some, some beers like, you know, Janiac, Maniac, which Ian is drinking right now, um, we'll push it a little Tastes bit great. more. We'll push it to 2.7. Um, sours, we'll push it to 2.7. You know, most of these ales, these hoppy beers are in that 2.6 range. Get that um, south mouth feel. Yeah, well, nice to go a little a little lower. I mean, I think because it would be a little softer, but I, th- I don't think it would can as well. I don't know. See, the, the mouth feel is important in how your beer tastes to people. Uh, yeah, I mean, question, I, but I want you guys to explain Sure, it so, like, uh, in terms of transmitter, we, we, want, we want things to, to pop. We want zip. We want that effervescent. You, know, you, you open that beer, you want... You want to see the the foam kind of come out the the top a little bit and then pour it into a uh, a nice glass um, preferably take you I think like everybody that kind of works here prefers i mean i I'm speaking for myself and I think my bosses too but like highly carbonated beers um, like I'm not a big fan of really soft you know and almost under carbonated beers i mean yeah, getting having that zip. It, having it, that zip, it, it's definitely like dance on ref- your tongue. It yeah, feels it's good. refreshing. Yeah. Um, that's what I prefer. So, we're, so when we can, we can flat the the, the beer still, um, and it has a, a combination of, of sugar and, and yeast in it. Uh, then it will then referment in the can, um, and we can achieve levels um, three any any levels we want. Uh, we we typically target like three one to three three. Um, which is going to going to give you a a, a a tighter bubble. It's going to uh, that is very zippy. Very <laughs> zippy. <laughs> I want to ask. We're going to wrap it up soon, but I want you to each think of one question to ask the other, as if you know, you guys are hanging out, having a you know a brew catch up talk. What would we you want to ask do each that other? Yeah. So what's we a technical question too. you might want to <laughs> ask each other? And if you're oh, not man. ready, I'll ask something. But I think oh, you guys man. each want to ask each other something. I feel like Ian has the first question for Bobby. Wow, that's one. Okay, so yeah, Bobby, yeah, what, what's yeah, your biggest? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you guys got kegs are going out. You know, when your kegs are here, it's about the quality of of the, of the place that's serving your beer at, at that end for the customers. So you know the kegs that are served here at your tap room at KCBC. You right. know they're exactly the way you want them. You know when your cans go out, they're the way that you want them, and I'm sure they're kept cold. People are going to open them a certain way. But draft beer to me is still the way that I want to drink beer. So I'm at a really good quality craft beer bar. What do you look for? Do you think everyone's on the same standard? Are there any times you've had to go in and, 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 and give people advice about how to better serve your beer? Are you only serving to the places 
that are know what they're doing with your beer? Or is that an issue for you? Um, that's kind of a that's tough. I mean, it's I think that you know I, I the the guys that are doing the deliveries can see where they're dropping off their their beer at, and like you can see somebody's you know walk in and see somebody's you know basement space and seeing how people are storing our kegs and they're leaving our double you know triple IPA sitting in a hot basement for you know a week next you know. to the hot water heater yeah next to the hot water heater you know if you see that a bunch of times i think at least when i was um doing deliveries i would notice that with certain bars in the city and i would say to my you know my owners like hey like these guys are treating their beers bad like you know we're a young brewery and like you know you know our reputation is everything and people are going to come in and try this beer but if it's been sitting warm for two weeks in the summer in a basement like it's, it's going to be a totally different beer and so it's hard though because also we do a little bit of outside new york city distribution through um a couple of distributors and you know that beer leaves and yeah like people are paying a higher price point for these beers and so you would think that it's a place that's going to treat your beer more kindly um but you don't know like you know i, I would I'd, People are neglecting cleaning their draft lines, things like that. You want you want you know, it delivered, put right into the cold room. Yeah, like every time no, I every time I did deliveries, um, I would I would put it right in the cold room if I could. If it there was absolutely no space, which that happens, you know, decent amount of time. All like time. you put it right next to the door, like <laughs> <laughs> like block the door. But um, yeah, I mean we we're not you know. Not crazy picky. Obviously, we want our our beer in in a good market that's either has a great beer list or good food or a combination of the two. Um, but you know, like no, you're pretty, if I see KCBC on tap, usually assume it's a good place because they know what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, but, that's the thing with self distro. Like you have a little bit more control over that. Um, you know, KCBC's self distributed transmitter as well. Um, I am the distributor, um, being the, the delivery boy. Um, so what's an account that you like to go to yourself? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll do a shout out to, to Corey. Uh, I love beer street. Um, it's uh, a great place to, to hang out and kind of unwind and, and chit chat. In Williamsburg. In, uh, in Williamsburg. And he just opened, uh, their second location. Um, nice space. Yeah, right. haven't haven't been yet. Beer Street South. Uh, it's on Vanderbilt, uh, just uh, Prospect south. Heights. Yeah, yeah, just south of Atlantic, uh, oh. not too far from Beer Wax. Um, I've always always enjoyed drinking beer there. Um, I think he's he he knows how to pour even difficult kegs, um, and you know, in years past, we've we've had transmitters had issues with overcarbon kegs and. Um, you know, we've kind of really dialed that in, and, and it's helped having a tap room and understanding how to pour the beer ourselves. And so it's, you know, we're cognizant of the, you know, the, the carbonation levels, and uh, we've really dialed that in, and uh, I, I could pretty, I'm pretty sure that, that any place could pour our beers now. Uh, which probably wasn't the case uh, in in the past. Um, you know, we we typically carb our saisons and our gold nails pretty high. And if you didn't have flow control or you didn't have a, a walk in that was super cold, yeah. 
Um, it could be a, a hard place to, to pour a beer, but um, you know, going forward, I, I I don't think that's an issue, which is great. We've got right. some some good feedback on that. So, I mean, you were asking like main difference, like a big difference between like KCBC and, and transmitters. I mean, they package condition everything, which is you know so much more time consuming and and. You know, like it does. It it, add, it adds a, a a complexity to the beer, and um, it just goes back to the what you were saying earlier: fast beer versus versus transmitter beer. You know, it can add anywhere from two to four weeks to to our uh, the the beer date of you know grain to glass or whatever. Yeah, grain to glass. Yeah. I, that, <laughs> I never heard that. That's a good saying. I like that. Grain to glass. Uh, but yeah, typically grain to glass uh, transmitter is probably two to three maybe four times as long as as an ipa yeah i mean you guys are the only people in new york city that are doing it consistently right yeah we yeah. don't transmitter doesn't own a carbstone um there was a brewery that called us up and was like oh we're having issues carbon a beer do you guys have an extra carbstone no. <laughs> you can Google that because I'm not gonna. We're, we're not and like, they're they're, know, they're pretty they're pretty question, they're pretty dead stone? set on not doing that, it's which is happen. like not gonna happen. Which is which is great. So good good beer takes time, like a lot of other things, and also like we said, learning and growing into your job it, it takes time, and you got to start with things like washing kegs. And I just want to say thank you so much for having us here at KCBC. Yeah. We're kicking of off. Beer Week in style. I, I like the inside of tour, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Um, Cheers. We tasted, Bobby, one more time, tell us the two KCBC beers that we tasted here on tap at KCBC. Uh, Cosmic Zombie is a uh, blended, mixed firm, uh, barrel-aged sour. Um, and then we have uh, the Morbid Hour. It's, um, we changed the name. I something, what it's called. Something oak. It's Morbid Hour on Lager. American Oak in a Grundy. Um, we did, got some oak staves and let it sit on smoke staves for a little bit. Um, well, this is the way to roll. And uh, you, by the time you listen to this, beer week will be over. But we're happy to kick it off here. And uh, big shout out to everybody involved. And then you guys, congratulations, uh, Transmitter, moving to Brooklyn Navy Yard. And we're drinking the pre-prohibition lager. Yeah, so. B- BNY won a silver medal winner at Indie Beer Cup. Uh, available in cans and on draft at the tasting room. Wow, you know we could go for hours, but uh, I think we're we're ready to go get that new trip double dry hop triple IPA that's on tap here. We're 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 on the street as morbid hours at cult following in the uh, <laughs> New York City beer industry. It sure is. Cheers, <laughs> thanks cheers, guys. Thanks so much for joining me here. Yeah, cheers. Cheers to our producers with us, Dylan Hoyer and uh, engineer Matt uh, Patterson, who's going to help us piece this together with Dylan. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simple. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.